Welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I absolutely love young moms, and it's my passion to encourage you and give you tips and tools to make your journey easier. Thanks for joining us today. We have a cool topic. I'm going to tell you about our amazing journey into living history and how we kind of stumbled upon that. But before we get started, let me remind you, you can access our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, our YouTube channel, or our Facebook page, or anywhere you choose to access your podcasts. Okay, my only regret is that I didn't teach all my kids this way. You know, how I stumbled across it, I was writing a book about the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and it was, for you they signed, it was a massive research project. So it took me over a year to do the research for that book. So as I was doing the research, I would tell my kids, guess what? I gotta tell you this story, I gotta tell you this story, I gotta tell you this story. So we ended up doing a whole year on the War of Independence. And uh, I tell you what, if you, at some point in your kid's education, they need to go through a normal history book because then you kind of see where the timeline of where things fell in place in history. But if only you use normal history books, you get a tiny portion. For instance, you have one chapter maybe on the War of Independence. You can't begin to understand the War of Independence in one chapter. You can't begin to hear the stories of the amazing people who fought for our freedom. You can't begin to hear what they thought about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't begin to hear their testimonies. I mean, it's only, it's kind of like a Jeopardy kind of education if you only do a regular normal history book through your whole time in school. So as I say, we kind of stumbled across this because I was doing research. So we just, we ditched the history books and we spent a whole year studying the war for independence. And then after we did that, I thought, let's try another period of history. And my dad was in World War II and my daughter my youngest daughter, who we were doing history with her, she got really interested in World War II. So we started researching the battles that my dad was in, and we'd read books about the battles that he was in. And it was just so fascinating. We, we read his journal, and then we started seeing men in Walmart with their World War II caps on. And she would say, hey, Mom, let's go up to them. And it was kind of out of my comfort zone, but we would go up to them and I would introduce myself. I'd say, hi, I'm Marilyn Boyer. We would like to thank you for your service. And, you know, at first I thought, these guys are going to think, who's this weird lady coming up to me? But they appreciated it. They appreciated it that a lady and her young daughter would come up to them and say, thank you for your service. And then we started asking them, hey, is there a way that we could come to your house maybe and interview you? And wow, I mean, it was so amazing. We learned so much history from this. And at first I thought the guys are not going to want some strange person coming into their house, but they appreciated it. You know, they would tell us their story with tears in their eyes. And before we would go, we would ask, like, if they what battles they fought in, if they were at the Battle of the Bulge or if they were at Iwo Jima. And then we would read a book about that so that when we went, we could ask semi-intelligent questions to interview them. 
And it was so amazing. You know, I would take my kids with me. My three youngest kids did this with me. And we would ask questions of the guy's wives if, if their wife was still living. You know, what was it like to live during the Depression? What was it like to have your husband overseas fighting? Um, ah, so we just, we learned so much. And we would find more and more guys. I don't even remember how many guys we interviewed. It was mainly World War II people that we interviewed. And unfortunately, so many of them are not living anymore today. But it was just such an amazing generation. And doing that, we learned so much about World War II that we will never forget that you would never read in a history book. Um, and not only that, we learned to honor these guys, these guys who fought for our freedom. We learned so much about honoring them, and we, we would develop relationships with them. There was one guy, Mr. Overstreet, and he was a flying ace in World War II. He lived probably an hour from our home. He lived in Salem, Virginia. We would go visit him, and he... Uh, he had amazing stories to tell us. He's the guy, and I may have mentioned this in another podcast, he's the guy that flew his plane underneath the Eiffel Tower to shoot down a German measure Schmidt. And later, a French man, years later, came to his door and shook his hand and thanked him. He said, my dad was standing under the Eiffel Tower when you flew your plane underneath it. Thank you for helping to free Paris. It's just, uh, and then another time he told us, he was on, he was shot down. He bombed a train, but in so doing, it damaged his plane. He had to crash land, and they were taking him away to prison camp. They put him in a Jeep with one guy taking him there, and he said, I looked down, and I happened to notice there was a pipe wrench under the seat. So I just took that pipe wrench, and I tapped the driver on the head, and threw him out of that Jeep. And I figured whatever direction he was headed in, I wanted to go the other way. So I turned that Jeep around, and he ended up uh, meeting back up with the French resistance and getting back with his unit. But like every time we went, he had different stories to tell us. He would let my daughter try on his flight jacket, and he would get out a silk map and explain to us that if you were in enemy territory, you didn't want to be crinkling paper, so that's why they made the maps out of silk. He got out his purple hearts. He had many purple hearts, and it was just amazing. You know, we would find out ways that we could be a blessing to him and, you know, maybe bring him a pie. This particular one, his wife had died several years ago, so we would bring him food or, um, you know, bring him little treats and just bask in what he was telling us. Oh, it was so amazing. We brought my granddaughter there too one day. So learning history this way can never compare to just reading it in a history text. We met with so many other vets. By the way, Mr. Overstreet's story we have in Portraits of Integrity. Here's a picture of him flying his plane underneath the Eiffel Tower. We've included his story in there. We also met with one of the Bedford boys who providentially hurt his ankle and he did not go with his troops on D-Day. His whole troop, everyone else in his troop died going on to the beach. They were in the front line. He lived through that to tell us about that experience. It was just amazing. Um, 
we tried to record their stories. Another one in character and action, we've recorded stories about um, Mr. Furrow, who was on the USS Franklin when it was shot by a kamikaze pilot. And he told us how he almost died, but he ended up getting out of that situation. Uh, you know, I never knew what the USS Franklin was, but we learned so much. We, we talked to another Mr. Furrow who was in Germany, and he was the brother of the other Mr. Furrow, and he told us about his experiences with the hedgerows. I didn't know what a hedgerow was. But you, you learn what it was like. You almost put yourself in their place as you hear them talking. And it helped you realize what it was like to be those people that were fighting for our freedom. It gives you such a respect for these men. And these guys became our friends. You know, my daughter would call them up and ask how they were doing and see if she could pray for them. And I mean, wow, it, it's nothing like it. I got a book um, called We Were There, I think was the name. And it was about the USS Indianapolis. I didn't know anything about the USS Indianapolis. It was a ship whose assignment was to take parts of the atomic bomb to Tinian, the atomic bomb that we we're going to launch on Hiroshima. It also had half of the uranium that our country owned in this ship. The men didn't know what it was. Let me just say we met another vet whose job it was to guard the Enola Gay, the plane that took the other half of the uranium. He didn't know what he was guarding, but it was the biggest plane he had been around, so he took a picture of himself in front of it. Well, we met him, and then we met one of the USS Indianapolis guys. Anyway, we got this book, and it gave names and addresses of men who survived the USS Indianapolis. And I noticed that one of them was in North Carolina. We live in Virginia. So I looked up his phone number. I called him. His name was Mr. Outland. And I asked if we could come interview him. So we, three of our kids and my husband and I, took a trip down there one day. And we talked to Mr. Outland. He was a survivor of the USS Indianapolis. As he was telling us his experience, he had tears running down his cheeks. He was crying. We asked his wife, is it okay if we continue? She said, yes. She said, please do. This is so healing for him. She said, I was married to him for years before I even knew that he was a part of the crew of the USS Indianapolis. She said, he needs to do this. So we, we had tears running down our cheeks listening to him. So anyway, that summer, he invited us to the USS Indianapolis reunion. And we took three of our kids. We went. It was the most amazing experience. The USS Indianapolis delivered the parts of the atomic bomb. They were on their way back for their next assignment when they were torpedoed by a Japanese submarine. The ship sank within 11 minutes. There were 1,100 men, crew members. 800 survived the sinking. But then, because of a series of blunders, by the U.S. Navy, it was not reported that the ship did not get into base where it was supposed to. So these men, like nobody was looking for them. They were in the sea. They were surrounded by sharks, shark-infested waters. They were there for five days and four nights. And then an act of providence, a pilot, a Navy pilot, 
had his plane, his radar messed up. So he lowered his plane and he opened the bomb bay door and he was checking out the radar when he happened to see an oil slick. And he thought, wow, you know, is that a Japanese sub? So he looked closer and he saw these little black heads in the water, black because these men were covered with oil. A lot of them had been burned too when the ship exploded, but they, their heads were covered with oil, which ended up being a blessing in disguise because when they were out there in the hot sun, the oil kind of protected them from the sun's rays. So anyway, he looked down, he saw these heads bobbing, he called for help. And when the help got there, they had orders not to land. It was a choppy sea, and they were not supposed to land their PBY craft. But he asked all the men on his plane, do we go down and rescue these guys? They saw the men. They saw sharks circling the men. And his crew members unanimously said, yes, we need to go down there. So they landed their plane. They started bringing the men into the plane. Now the men were so weak by this time they couldn't crawl up in the plane so they got nets and they pulled the men in. They had them sitting like sardines in the plane, like shoulder to shoulder. There was no more room in the plane but there were more men, there were more sharks and they were still waiting for help to come. So they roped men to the wings of that plane. And when we went to the USS Indianapolis reunion, we met men who were roped to the wings of that plane. We met men who were sitting like sardines inside that plane. And these guys would tell us their stories. They shared their testimony. It was so amazing. And let me say, the first time we went, the daughter of the Japanese um, sub, the captain on the submarine, his daughter was there at the Indy reunion. She is now an American. She had her children with her. She got up and she publicly thanked the men from the USS Indianapolis for bringing the parts of the atomic bomb to Tinian. She said, if they had not dropped the atomic bomb, I would not be here today. She said the mindset of the Japanese was to kill the women, kill the children. She said, and fight to the very end. She said, I would not be here if you had not done that. Thank you for doing that. And her kids were waving little American flags. It was so moving. The men were crying. Oh, I tell you what, it was, it was an amazing experience. And we went back, I think it was three years ago, and we took two of our grandchildren. And Adam, Here's a picture of Adam with Mr. Harrell. He was one of the survivors. Adam wrote a story about Mr. Harrell. After hearing from Mr. Harrell's own lips, his experience, Mr. Harrell was a Christian. He said he felt this overwhelming sense that God was going to bring him through this terrible experience. And I won't share his whole experience with you because it's in Legacies of Character, but it is so amazing. And... I would like to, uh, to dedicate this podcast to Mr. Harrell. This is Monday morning. Mr. Harrell died on Saturday. He was 97 years old. He was a man of God. He went around the country sharing his testimony with others. What he sacrificed for our freedom is amazing. And you can hear his story in Legacies of Character, which is our newest book. I am so thankful that my grandsons had the opportunity to meet these men. There are only five of them now living. Mr. James Smith and Mr. Harrell both passed away last week, 
so there's only five of them left. But you know what? My grandsons, my kids are never going to forget that story ever, ever, ever. And the deep sense of honor for what so many people sacrificed so that we could raise our children in a free country. You need to teach your kids that. It is so amazing. You know, it, it grieves me that in schools nowadays, kids are being taught that America was the evil country. And it's, it's so untrue. You know, it is so untrue. America is the country that sends the most missionaries. America is the country that stood for the freedom of others. Yes, America made mistakes in the past, but not what kids are being taught today. They need to have a sense of honor for the men who sacrificed, so many men sacrificed their very lives so that we could be raised in a free land. Oh boy, I could tell you about Vietnam vets. And I am so excited because next week you are going to meet a Vietnam vet. I am going to do a podcast and interview Woody Woldridge, a Vietnam vet. And hopefully watching the interview you, interviewing him will give you the courage to interview vets yourself because it's such an amazing way to do history, living history. It is the best. Your kids will be so inspired by the lives of these people. So you be sure to tune in next week because you will not want to miss our podcast interviewing Mr. Wildridge. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to be with you.